Welcome to Technically Speaking, the official podcast of ETC, a consulting engineering firm serving property managers and building owners for over 35 years. Now, please know, we have no hidden agenda or affiliations. It is our obligation to serve you as your trusted advisor, and we take that responsibility very seriously. But not too seriously for today's podcast, as we share fun stories and information from the challenging construction world. So sit back and enjoy as we discuss helpful ways to correct all kinds of building problems. Here's your host, Joe Shuffleton. Today we're here talking about cracks in masonry. And for the point of what we're doing today, we're talking about masonry walls, typically of brick, but it applies pretty well to any kind of masonry that you have. The masonry walls that we have in our area are typically brick with some kind of backups, steel studs. The old days, they used to be concrete block. And I'm here talking today with my good longtime friend, Bobby Radcliffe who's registered engineer in several different jurisdictions, including Pennsylvania, Delaware, D.C., and Maryland and Virginia. And he's looked at these kind of things for over 10 years now, um, although he doesn't look as old as he really is. Somehow he's able to keep that boyish face. Maybe it's the beard that hides it. I don't know. Anyway, Bobby, thanks for coming with us today. Appreciate your input. Thank you for having me back today. So cracks in... Masonry walls, I mean, we, they happen all the time. Masonry is very, very brittle material, and it cracks pretty easily. But oftentimes, the cracks that we see have underlying problems or indicate underlying problems and consequences. So let's talk about what causes. Let's, let's do a kind of general wrap-up of what kind of things causes cracks in building. I'll let you go first. Pick, pick one. So the, I guess the first one would be building settlement. So the building sitting on poorly compacted subgrade or expansive clay soils um, will will have issues with the foundation if it's settling or heaving. That stress is going to generate up through the the foundation wall, you know, the concrete masonry unit or CMU foundation wall uh, into the brick veneer. You get you typically you get a lot of diagonal cracking off of that um, around window openings. You'll see that type of uh, deterioration. And they don't get, they don't heal themselves. Until you deal with them, they're just going to stay there and get worse over a period of time if they're related to building settlement. So you've got to, whatever the settlement is or the movement of the foundation, you got to stop that. Then you can fix the cracks. Right. And a lot of times you'll see uh, building owners try to repair them with a caulk the cracks or to put new mortar in. And with, this, with the foundation settlement, it's, you know, happens each year. So it'll open up and it'll contract, open up and contract. And every time it does that, uh, when it expands or settles, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, you have to control the settlement first. If it's ongoing because of expansive clays and things like that, it's, it's you're not going to be doing anything trying to fill those cracks. Another area we have problems with a lack of control joints in brick. As I say, it's it's a very brittle material. Um, brick tends to expand slightly over the course of its life because it's made out of dried out clay shale and it wants it's clay and it wants to expand a little bit. So they need to be put at certain places around the building, particularly at corners, near windows, uh, things like that. And you just can't go and put, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet of masonry wall without having control joints, both vertically and horizontally. So we see an awful lot of that, um, uh, particularly at the corners of the buildings and near the wall openings where you've got to control, you've got to put a joint in there. It's got to be sealed so that it allows the sections of brick on either side to move and expand. 
Another one, Bob. Uh, so we got corrosion of the steel reinforcement, so the window lintels, door lintels, uh, the horizontal joint reinforcement within you know, in the mortar of the bricks, um, your wall ties. You get corrosion of that. Similar to concrete, the corrosion will, the area of it will expand, put stresses on the brick, and cause the brick to crack. Yeah, it is very similar to concrete from that standpoint. And if you're not careful, you can get severe displacement movement of the walls and bulging and things like that. Yes. Especially with the wall ties, um, either they might not be there or they're corroded or back in the day, they did the corrugated wall ties, you know, not hot dipped and fastened the wrong way. And so they'll slide out, um, cold wall bulging. Well, I've seen those corrugated ties that probably it's restricted to two-story buildings now used as many as 13, 14 feet in uh, stories in the air. And it just, it was not adequate ties at all. They just pulled themselves apart and it was like there was no tie there. And the big issue I saw with those is uh, usually you're supposed to secure them down at the 90-degree point. And every time I've opened up and I've seen them, they've always been at like the top end of the vertical leg of the, of the tie. And so the tie would just bend on them. Yeah, yeah, and just completely improper way of doing that stuff. Another issue is, is drainage, which particularly at, at the foundation wall, but it can be the entire height of the wall. Nowadays, we build the walls with a cavity behind it with the idea that water that gets through the brick, and we know water is going to penetrate brick. It's just, it's not 100% waterproof. It's going to have this drainage cavity behind it where it drops down to the floor or to the top of a window where there's flashings. Hopefully there's flashings. And it's dispelled that way. But if you don't, if they can't get the water out of the wall and if it collects in there, you can have a real big problem with it. And this is particularly down at the foundation wall that I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it um, in high rises on the floor lines. And a lot of times that cavity that you speak of it gets filled up with mortar droppings because they didn't put a mortar net in. So the water will just sit in there. And I've seen it where a crack in the brick, the water's gotten through. And that mortar dropping acted as a bridge, and it went across that, went right through the cinder block wall into the unit. Well, I've seen where they don't put weep holes in, and the crack in the brick was the only thing that let the water out. And good old McDonald's straws I've seen. Yeah, you know, just terrible stuff. Uh, let's see, what else you got? Uh, so going back to that poor drainage with the foundation walls, and that's really foundation walls and retaining walls. Because um, what could happen is good point. It could bring up hydrostatic pressure on the walls and and lead to crack fail, you know, cracks and failure of the wall. So the big thing we always we see in foundations, if you see that horizontal crack mid height, that's never a good thing to see. Um, that kind of indicates that that wall is starting to bulge inward and to relieve itself. It opens up that crack there. I've seen some pretty wild bulging walls. I mean, some of them were sticking. I don't know how the brick stayed there. To tell you the truth, they had to come out of the wall at least out of the original plane, five, five inches or more. It's ridiculous how much you can have these problems. This is back in the old days where instead of using wall ties, they used header brick. They turned the brick sideways oh, and you shoved it those in. mass walls. And you tied it in that way. I remember I, I monitored a building in, in Georgetown. It was, the whole building was overturning. So it wasn't just the wall itself. And it was out of plumb, like seven inches out of plumb. And if you went into the dining room, the, the floor was out of plumb, too, because the whole building was overturning. And you almost get vertigo walking in there. What was causing the building to overturn? Uh, just poor soils. If it was that bad of a soil. Oh, yeah. Problem. And it was, I think we even looked at it back in the 80s, because I think I saw a report from oh. back in the 80s. Interesting. Uh, so anyway, we've got, and of course, there are some other things that can cause cracks. Uh, vehicle impact, earthquakes can cause cracking, particularly in a 
reinforced masonry structure or unreinforced masonry structure. We saw a lot of that back a few years when we had the earthquake in Virginia, and I'm sure they see it all the time out in California. And that makes it hard, too. So when you're evaluating now, you look at the crag, you go, all right, it doesn't look like a thermal one. I'm not sure if it's, you know, a settlement, so we have to do some, you know, subsurface exploration or exploratory work. But it always put in the back of your mind, was that from the earthquake or not? Yeah, was that an old crack from then? And then I guess I, you've seen some situations, I know I have, where steel embedded into the wall isn't given room to move, and so it blows out the masonry in one end or the other. Right, you have that. You have not really corrosion, but you know, steel bal- or concrete balconies going through the penetration of the wall, and there's not a joint or vertical control or a control joint around that, so you can get cracking there also, I've seen. Yeah, well, I'm talking about steel beams that are, you know, set on in or within the masonry wall, and you know the beam is going to move over a period of time, and there's just no provision to allow it to move, so it just blows out the wall. Yeah, I've seen that on, like, corners of buildings. I'm, a lot of that's been on garden-style buildings I've, I've seen that at. Yep. Um, where we, we open up the brick, and you can see the steel beam right there. So let's, let's now, okay, so those are the typical things that cause them. And what happens if we don't take care of them becomes the question. Go ahead. So the most frequent thing I see is water getting into that wall cavity, too much water, um, and it can't effectively drain outward so it goes into the occupied space. That's probably like the number one I, item I see. Um, and obviously water getting into the cavity, if, it's, if it can't handle it, um, it'll saturate the brick. And over time, that water will want to migrate out to the outside. And once it evaporates, then you get your efflorescence staining. Oh, you can get worse staining than that. You get black staining if you've got too much water built up behind the brick wall there over a period of time. I mean, the white staining that we call efflorescence is typically salts and things like that. But the black staining is, is you know, iron and things like that that are just unbelievably difficult to clean and take care of after the fact. Yeah. Right. And if there's not a crack there and that water is going to get to the brick and you get the freeze-thaw cycle in the wintertime, you'll start having your bricks spalling. Uh, see that a lot too when the brick are painted, where there's cracks you know, in the brick and they get it through, and when they, they can't escape really, so it just hangs out in the brick and starts spalling them off everywhere. I guess the biggest concern is that if you don't take care of these types of things, that you might have water intrusion inside the building. I mean, that's always the biggest part of the whole thing. Right. That's that's our one of my biggest concerns. The other one's not as frequent, but you can have areas where the wall ties get corroded with the excessive moisture in the wall. Um, I remember one time we were doing a balcony project and we were, the owner was hesitant if they wanted to do a facade project during the balcony one. And the one floor of the wall, of the brick veneer fell off hmm. while we were doing the balcony work. So it turned out it had the corrugated ties and it was a high rise and all the corrugated ties were completely corroded away. Another area where we see a lot of this is parapet walls on buildings because parapet walls are particularly vulnerable because they get the weather from both sides and there's no backup. I mean, it's just, if it's a brick masonry wall, it might be a concrete block backup. It may just be multiple layers of, of brick. And those things get real unstable pretty quickly. Yeah, I had a, a project in Georgetown. It was right from the earthquake. That was one of my two projects where we found structural issues. And it was kind of a raised like architectural parapet. And when I got to it, you could see, you did visual first, and you see the horizontal crack. And when I got in the roof, you could actually move it. So that was an instance where we had the contractor come out that day to take that parapet off so it wouldn't fall on anybody. Yeah, I've seen things like that too. Oh, by the way, you have to put more control joints in parapet walls than you do in regular masonry walls for the very reason that I talked about. You've got 
no heating on the inside like you do on a regular wall. You got weather exposed exposed to getting at both sides of a parapet wall. Plus, it's pretty thin. It's not really that massive to start with. Um, so the other things that you'll see with uh, inc- if you don't take care of these cracks on a brick masonry wall is you'll see displacement of the of the wall itself. You'll see the in addition to the cracking, you'll see some actual movement and bulging of the wall. We've talked about that a little bit. Uh, and then spalling of brick. Now, here again, I, I've, un- I've had, unfortunately, the opportunity to go up to a wall where it was cracked and bulged, and I touched it, and it moved, moved significantly. So while it was only in, you know, it was, it was only a danger if you were walking below, it was a huge danger because it was at the 11th floor. Now, was it just the brick veneer or the, the CMU? This is just the brick veneer. Uh, the block backup hadn't moved. Yeah, I, I had a, a project in Philadelphia where it was both the brick veneer and the block. Oh, we've had that a couple of times. Yeah, down in, in the D.C. area, we've seen that. And that creates all kinds of problems where there's so much massive movement, it pulls the backup wall with it. And the block, if it's concrete block, was just, you know, hanging on the edge very precariously, let's put it that way. In that particular case, I mean, not only did we have to tear the, the brick off, we had to tear the inside of the wall out to get to the block and be able to get it and anchor it back in. So they, those people let that particular problem with the cracks go way too long, and it wound up costing them big time when things was all said and done. Um, we didn't have to condemn the building, but it was pretty close. I had that one in Philadelphia where the residents didn't want to leave. So we ended up having to build an interior wall unshoring and inside the unit. Uh, and I remember they were playing a card game or something while we were demoing out the wall. Um, we had another, I don't know, it was almost identical. We realized another property we were doing, you know, a big demo, concrete demolition project. And a lady was sitting in the kitchen playing one of her bridge games or whatever with earplugs in while we were doing demolitions. Nice. So again, um, Tell the folks how you uh, go evaluating these cracks once you go out there and start taking a look. What do you do? So uh, the first um, item is a visual survey. Maybe, you know, from the ground level, different vantage points from the ground level, balconies from the roof. Uh, depending on the condition, we'll, we'd like to get up close. So it'd either be swing stages or repelling down the building or using drones so we can get up close to do the visual survey. And from that, we can kind of identify the crack if it's a structural issue a settlement issue, if it's more of a thermal expansion, you know, issue, lack of vertical control joints. Uh, but also with, at that point, then we're going to get into sampling, pull some brick out, to, you know, check on the wall ties if there are any, look at the wall flashings, look at the condition of the steel lintels. To me, that's the big thing. I mean, you see a crack and we think it's one thing, but until you really get inside the wall to know what's there, it's hard to be certain. Visual is important, don't get me wrong, but sampling of the brick wall, I think, is really important to see what kind of backup materials there, what the attachments are, where are their flashings, where they're supposed to be, hopefully, are they effective, is the cavity open, all these types of things. Um, and, some, as, and some other non-intrusive um, testing or whatever it would be like the doing a plumb bob survey, which is kind of like that vertical straight line you hang, so you can figure out the exterior wall, how relatively plumb it is. Uh, that's one thing, putting the crack gauges up on the wall, um, that's non-intrusive, and that we can monitor that, especially if it's a, a thermal issue or a foundation issue. We can see 
has that building stopped settling or expansion wise is, has it stopped, you know, creeping or whatever. Um, cause then that will change on what we recommend for repairing it. Right. That plumb bob is a, is a commonly used thing. And, and this is where I, I found this wall that was six inches out. I mean, it just, just amazingly scary and unstable, not only six inches out, but as I say, I could, I could move it. And the assumption is always that they built the wall <laughs> plumb <laughs> originally. And that's not necessarily the case. You look at brickwork nowadays and, and you see the way it goes up, even in new construction, and there's, there's a good amount of variation sometimes. People don't check that when they're building these walls, and the walls kind of wave in and out. You can see those things. One of the giveaway of a good, mason, good things you can tell about a masonry wall is if those head joints line up. Guy doing the work is probably pretty meticulous about what he's doing. And yeah, plumb bob is a good tool. And, and nowadays with technology, with the, the laser scanning, where they can you know scan the facade of the building, kind of also almost give us cross section cuts of the building to let us know how real, you know out of plumb the wall is. Again, assuming that the wall was built plumb. Correct. <laughs> All right. So now we get into repairs. Uh, some things are pretty easy, just simple cut out and repoint because you've got bond breaks and things like that that are of not any real big significant issue. But again, you want to cut down on the amount of water that's getting inside the building. So you've got that, but then you go to more extensive things like... You have brick replacement. Um, you have installing control joints, which is, again, relatively not complicated, but you know, sizing them and figuring out the exact locations for, for those. There might not be any shelf angles in the building, um, so we might have to install shelf angles at the floor lines or every other floor line. That gets a little more complicated. It involves flashings. You have to get into maybe underpinning the building. If it's a building settlement, that's when it gets even more complicated. So you basically need to stabilize the foundation before you did any masonry work. Yeah, that, that's very true. Um, you were talking about... Um, Another one kind of we talked about, an issue we had was like with the wall bulges um, and lack of wall ties. The other thing you, you can do instead of installing, installing new supplemental wall ties... They make retrofit ones. They're kind of like a spiral shape. And you can actually drill those in where you don't have to take out the brick veneer, but you can kind of lock it in place where it is. Yeah, you drill them through the brick, and then you just have to patch the little hole that you had above it and stuff like that. You can do that when the, when the bulge isn't too bad. Uh, once you get past a certain point, um, kind of like a corbeling effect, that's when we have to start taking the brick veneer out. No, I remember it was control joints, and, and it's amazing how Mother Nature can, instead of doing the calculation about where you need to put them, Mother Nature tells you where you need to put the control joint. A nice vertical line going up 20 stories up in the building at the corner of a building, that's where the control joint needs to that's, go. That's a good rule, you know, general rule of thumb for that. I always double check to make sure um, that I don't need another one, you know, 30 feet down, but yeah, you made a good point. I first went, when I first started working, uh, I forget who told me that, but that was... You know, good experience, good advice. You no, know, we've done that hundreds of times, and it's just a matter of saw cutting the brick and the whole thing vertically right there where the crack is. And the cracks are never totally, totally vertical. You know, they get some offshoots and things like that. But that's Mother Nature telling you where that needs to go. Now, the trick there is near a corner, you may not have any ties on the short side where it goes from the control joint to the corner. So that's another place where even though you're not finding problems, you might have to put anchors in on that side of the control joint to make sure that you don't develop other problems. Especially before you cut the joint. Yeah, I, I would tend to want to do it before I cut the joint if I could, yeah. Um, and then, well, we, we can install anchors as we were talking about. 
I don't do much in terms of steel or carbon fiber support to strengthen masonry walls, but I've seen it done on the inside where we've had to do that. The older walls, I like to, I, I just don't think that that's something that you necessarily have to do with the block backup, but the steel stud backup is not as strong, I don't think, and I don't think it's as reliable. So. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of the steel support just because the basements that I work in, it's laundry rooms or storage rooms, so they want to give that space up. So we'll go to the carbon fiber option for stabilizing the foundation walls that are overloaded. All right, well, that's real good. I mean, in this day of, of concerns about buildings, this is all very good information, and I appreciate your spending some time talking with us today. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Technically Speaking. To learn more about ETC, its engineering and building envelope services, please visit our website at www.etc-web.com.